What's up, everybody? We are back. It is September 22nd, Tuesday, and we are going to be doing a, what is it, Atlanta Falcons preview week three. Um, we are Bears on Tap. You can go ahead and follow us at Bears on Tap or on Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. I'm Lucas Perfetti. You can follow me at Lucas Perfetti 46, and I'm also joined alongside by that pod guy, Duke, Duke Coughlin, and Brandon Suarez at Beatdown 300. Like I said, today we have the Atlanta Falcons uh, preview, and we're going to be doing some fan questions, all that stuff. Gentlemen, um, first and foremost, how you doing? Um, I'm good. It's uh, It was a pretty good win on last Sunday. Obviously, we talked about a lot on the post-game show. My fantasy team's looking all right, I guess. I don't know. I, uh, I snuck up and got the Devonta Freeman pickup before anyone else did, so I actually did that in two leagues, so hopefully that pans out with my weak-ass running back squads but uh yeah overall man i'm ready for some uh bears falcons yeah on a fantasy note i elected to go a different route i went justin kelly instead just because of the usage of him the first couple weeks but as far as the bears go little little nervous about this week but i feel like definitely a winnable game they just have to go out and play their brand of football and, and not play the way we played in the second half last week but other than that just super excited to uh, get into this uh, breakdown of this game. Yeah. Um, I mean, on the long, along the lines of fantasy, I actually had a crazy win. Um, in my league, we actually do a head coach and it's plus or minus five. So I had the new Orleans saints head coach and Alvin Kamara with like a 29 point lead going into the Sunday night game. This dude had drew Brees, um, Emmanuel Sanders, Darren Waller, and Josh Jacobs. And the way it boiled down, I got the minus five, um, but Alvin Kamara put up just enough points and I won by like 0.92. So wild win, dude. Um, Waller got me a dub yesterday too, dude. That's an amazing story. That was a guy who was basically counted out of the NFL and is now like a premier tight end in the week. So shout out to him. In my opinion, he is by far up and above the most talented tight end receiving pass catching tight end in the league. And he will, he will grab that title and hold it for a while. Um, go ahead, dude. No, uh, straight up. Actually, <clears throat> I'm glad you guys brought up Darren Waller. Cause I want to give a, a shout out to two other tight ends as well. in Hunter Henry and uh, Mike Gusecki, you know, I trashed some tight ends before the season started because I challenged, I challenged a position, man. What were tight ends really doing? You know, we were kind of waiting for these big names to kind of jump back into the swing of things. And I feel like a guy like Darren Waller, you know, like you guys said, is really kind of ascending there. And I think a guy, Mike Kosecki, who uh, was a problem when he was at Penn state is finally starting to see a little bit of his potential down in Miami and Hunter Henry, man, if he stays healthy, I really believe he's a top tight end as well. Yeah, and I'm kind of glad we're on the subject of um, tight ends and stuff like that. Realistically, the Bears tight end usage, we do have a tight end out of the room, but it's not like it's skyrocketed by any means. Um, but they have been very, very effective in the blocking game, and we've seen our running game improve. Bears are actually rated, I want to say, like, it, I think they're ninth overall in rushing yards per game. So that's definitely something um, that's encouraging to see. As of right now, the MVP of the season is Juan Castillo in my eyes. I know. We all talked about how is a coach really going to make that much of a difference, and it seems to have um, made quite a difference. We don't know how it's going to be against some of these stronger defensive fronts, but overall, I'm really impressed with what I've seen. But the one thing I want to comment on is that game last night. And like, aside from the fact that it looks like Drew Brees is completely cooked, and aside from the fact that the, the Saints are going to have to go into a full rebuild, full rebuild mode because Drew Brees decided to come back for another year, and they 
overextended themselves in, in a way that it's you could tell that they're all in this year. It looks like they're bottoming out. But look at the Las Vegas Raiders, man. Like, we talk about BU and Matt Nagy and stuff like that, and this is really starting to have me question Matt Nagy as a head coach because you look at the Raiders and you know exactly what the fuck they are all about. They come in, they bang on defense. They might not be the most talented on defense, but they come in and they play tough. They are going to bang you on defense, on offense. You know they're going to run the ball. They're going to run it down your throat, and they're going to play action. You see Derek Carr can't even hit Henry Ruggs in stride when dude is literally just free releasing all over the team. Like if, if they unlock that element, the Raiders, the Raiders already are that team that nobody wants to play. I guarantee you they make the playoffs like a hundred percent. And it's just like John Gruden traded away his best player when he came in, got some picks, whatever, but they already have an identity. And it's like, do we still know what the bears identity? Do we have any idea what the bears identity is on offense? Like at all? All right. So there's a lot to unpack what you just said, bud. It's week two. Let's not. Let's relax on the Drew Brees is cooked. Let's relax on the Saints are done, and let's relax. No, on Drew the, Brees is cooked. Drew Brees is cooked, and it's year three of this. I'm, I'm talking uh, specifically, bro. I hear this. I hear this Brady argument every year. I hear this no, Brady argument every year, man. Drew Brees Brady is right is, there. Brady's in a whole different ball game, dude. I feel like Brees was kind of cooked towards the end of last year, and um, we're seeing it. I, I don't want to digress into that. I want to talk about how John Gruden, Chucky, literally probably looked every dude in the face talking about how we're opening them this stadium. He, I guarantee you, he got everybody so pumped. They came out and like they started out a little bit flat, but as soon as they started, like their offense started moving, there was the Saints had no chance yesterday. And I think it's like they scored they, like twenty eight unanswered at one point or twenty four unanswered. Physically dominated both sides of the ball, and it's just like. We know what the Raiders identity is, and I still don't know what the identity of the Chicago Bears offense is. And it's not like Derek Carr is a world beater by any means. So I'm just wondering, like, I'm just asking that question. We're in year three of Matt Nagy. What is the identity of our offense? Could either of you tell me? Well, I mean, Brandon said it best, BU. I mean, dude, uh, I guess really, yeah, I think you nailed it. What is this identity? What it's is a this identity? Alarming, right? Because you see, like, across the league, like, it's very clear that we're sporadic. And it's like Mitchell Trubisky was pretty lights out in the first half last week. And then it just kind of crumbled. And it's like, I think we're starting to see that Matt Nagy is a little bit more of an issue than people are willing to admit. And I'm not saying Mitch is a world beater, but I still don't know our identity. And at least, like, you knew where the Raiders were going right after they traded Khalil Mack. And, like, you know where they're at now and you know exactly what type of team they are. Like, I don't know what type of team we are. Yeah. So a team with an identity, for example, to put it into practical terms, like a team with an identity is going to go out and extend that lead in the, in the second half last week, they're not going to, you know, fumble and flutter around and just kind of hover until the end of the game and just hope that the clock runs out a team that knows their identity. I think they're looking to find their identity because they're trying to be more of a run team first. They're not there yet. Obviously, with the play action and the passing game, they're trying to get more people involved. That's something that we talked about at the beginning of the season. We knew it wasn't going to be like 90% Allen Robinson, 10% everyone else. We knew we had the weapons in place so that other people could get involved and people have stepped up. Darnell Mooney has had a great first two weeks. I think Anthony Miller had a great first week last week. He was just breathing out there. He wasn't, he didn't get a single catch on quite a few targets and had a couple drops. Cole Komet, not there all the way yet. 
as far as I guess you would say chemistry with Mitch, there was one miss pass week one. I think he got a pass last week, but only one. And then Jimmy Graham too. It's like we have we've seen already like spurts of how great he can be in this offense. It's really just finding what clicks and continuing to just step on your opponent's throat. They haven't, they found it for spurts. They found it down the stretch in Detroit and to begin New York, but they need to be able to play four quarters of football. They need to be able to go out and from the first whistle into the last whistle, dominate a game so that a team knows, Hey, when the Chicago bears come to town, they're going to do this, that, and the third, and this is what we have to stop. And if we don't, we are going to lose this game. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, it's just alarming that we're still searching for this identity. And it took, like, you see what a veteran like John Gruden came in and did in less than a full, you know what I mean? Like, less than two seasons. It's been one season. The, 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 the culture was instilled, and now they're ready to start going. And it's like they had two offensive linemen. They had Trent Williams out. They had Richie Incognito go out. Still were the exact same game plan. Nothing changed. What happens if Jermaine Effetti goes out? He's been surprisingly, like, great this year so far through two games. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's just the only thing that's alarming to me. And I think that's indicative of the head coach. That's that's not indicative of any certain player. Yeah, I mean— I, a big, big note I really want to make, and I made it in post game show, is Mitchell Trubisky completed a pass to ten different players last uh, this past week. Obviously, there's balance. There wants to be uh, distribution. You know, the ball needs to get moved around to the open receiver. We don't need to overuse a guy like Allen Robinson every single play, you know, or every single drive. I think that's kind of what uh, has been kind of brought into this team so far, uh, dude. You know, and I again after this, after this podcast right here because i said it last week it doesn't go any farther than week two we didn't have a preseason and we obviously came in with a way different mindset on what we want to do on offense and what we did last year because we have balance we're trying to run the football this was not this team last year mitchell trubisky threw 50 50 times against the green Bay packers week one last year he hasn't smelled those attempts so far this year. So obviously there's this idea that we actually want to try to run the football. We actually want to try to win the line of scrimmage. And I think a guy like Juan Castillo is a big reason for that. I guarantee you he has a voice in that, in that uh, offensive room where we need to run the football. We need to load up that line of scrimmage and we need to pound the rock. And honestly, dude, David Montgomery was huge in situations like that last game. And I almost want to see him get more of those type of opportunities. You know, I, I really think it's, it is, it's taken a little bit of time. You know, I, I think a balanced offense is the way to go. I really think Nagy is actually working his way into this. I, I cannot agree with you guys more that he needs to be able to hold a lead. I, I think it's almost infamous for Matt infamous for Matt Nagy at this point that he can't hold the lead. You know, he's done this so many times he's done this. He's notorious for it, but you know, I, I do like to see the balance. I, I, I can't, discredit him too much for that i don't know i think it's i think it's early um i understand no. you know you see a team like gruden you know gruden's been with the raiders for almost what three four seasons now and he is no, this is his second team. second it season is not a second season here dude sorry it's his third season i was gonna say and his his scheme has not changed whatsoever matt Nagy's on essentially his third different scheme because what he ran in 2018 didn't look like 2019 and this year doesn't look like 2018 or 2019 at all you know so i I really think, you know, something different with that is also John Gruden is a very experienced head coach. He has a Super Bowl win. And uh, Matt Nagy, what, he's 40? 
just kind of in that range. No, yeah, I'm not like I'm not like completely dogging the guy. I'm just saying that's something that struck me. Um, because they got here the same year. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they, I mean start, they started in the same year, and the Mac trade happened. It's like John Gruden was an idiot, right? But it turns out that maybe old Chucky is just so fucking crazy. He knows what's going on. Uh, you know I what mean, I mean? The, dude, the he... opposite of 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 Bill O'Brien, just a complete psychopath in the best way possible. Well, I don't. You got to think, dude. John Gruden co- coached a team to an NF to an AFC championship left that team. That team went to the Super Bowl the year after. And then he beat that team with a team that he moved to. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like gangster. I, I love John Gruden. There's like it, Monday nights have not been the same without him. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. Luke Riddick has actually stepped up. I, I like their, um, I like this Monday night crew a lot more than the, the whole, uh, booger, Mo- booger mobile or whatever. I miss seeing that. Um, oh. but I don't want to digress too much on Chucky and all that. Um, speaking of blowing leads, uh, bears are playing the Atlanta Falcons. And if you guys know, um, they were, they were up big against the Cowboys. Cowboys had a ton of turbo turnovers, really everything, every stat that would indicate the Cowboys were supposed to lose happened. And they still found a way to get an onside kick at the end of the game and, and win by a point. Um, but there's a lot to unpack with this team. Duke, you want to start it off? Yeah. Um, I think uh, we're sitting here talking about how Matt Nagy can't hold the league. You know, shout out Dan Quinn, bro. You're showing us, you're showing us all how it's done. I mean, I, uh, I saw quite a bit of that Cowboys Falcons game last, last week with, uh, my girlfriend being a Cowboys fan. I was kind of switching back and forth with that in the bears game. I always roll with two or three screens in the living room and you know, it's just, you just don't understand how a team with this much talent just happens to do this all the time. So you always think it has to start with the coaching and you know, the offense is obviously there. You have this incredible offense. You, they brought in Todd Gurley. They got Calvin Ridley. Julio Jones is like that two-headed monster. They got guy. They have a guy in Russell Gage who's pretty good in his own respect as well. Hayden Hurst, you know, and they have a pretty decent offensive line. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I have a lot of questions on their defense. I uh, they got they have a young secondary. You know, keyword young. Uh, that's usually good good, uh, good place to try to get exposed. I think you have a guy like Deion Jones, who's a guy who can cover tight ends. He can do a little bit of everything as well, but outside of that, I don't think he's very good in the run game. So, you know, kind of a mix with uh, what we did with the giants last week. I really wouldn't mind seeing a good balance, you know, keeping the foot on the gas pedal, but also attacking this offense. Cause I think at the end of the day, the way this game is going to go is it's going to be, if the bears can, can stop the Falcons offense. It's up to the, it's up to the bears offense to win this football game. Yeah. And I don't want to digress too, uh, too back far, but like, I don't want it to seem like all doom and gloom. Cause realistically the offense this year looks better than, in my opinion, than 2018. Even I feel like we have, it's less manufactured offense and a little bit more of our quarterback uh, making plays um, in a short sample size and a small sample size. We are 22nd in yardage per game, which is like, a huge step up and, and you notice a difference with the scores and everything like that. Um, but beat on, how do you feel about the Falcons? Just first impression. So first impression. And I think this is a segment that we should bring to every preview. Um, there's one name on this roster that I think it's just fucking hilarious that he is still in this league. Any guesses on that guy? Um, the biggest one I'd be looking at would be James Carpenter. Nope. Matt Schaub. How? Oh my God! How is Matt Schaub still kicking in the National Football League? Oh my goodness! I thought he was 
10, 15, 20, too many pick sixes down. I thought he retired a long time ago. I knew he re-signed with the Falcons. I didn't know he was still with the team. But as far as the offensive and the playmakers and the people that I actually be out on the field, we talked about it a little bit before we recorded. It's an interesting thing. They got two number one receivers in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Little Rillo Ridley gets to play his uh, older brother, Calvin. I don't know how much Riley will be out there on the field as we haven't seen too much of him this year, if any at all. But this Falcons team does have a lot of talent. They have a lot of first-round picks. I think the most first-round picks across the entire league. But they've gotten people on the other side of that contract after they've already messed up where they were originally at. So it's not like they have fresh first-round picks just ready to rock. Obviously, you know what you're going to get with Matt Ryan. Secondary is going to be busy. It's going to be another week where they're going to look to pick on Jalen Johnson, where we need Jalen Johnson to answer that call. And, I mean, honestly, one thing I want to bring up, too, just from watching uh, just regularly, like I watch as many NFL games as I can, they're playing flag football out there, bro. Every game – Every game I see like a very like ticky tacky, like physicality type penalty. That's just like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, this is football. You remember that, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I, we, we talked about, you know, some of the penalties in this last game. And at the end of the day, like there's nothing that the players or really anyone could do about it. The challenges are, they have to be the way that the challenge is set up specifically for um, pass interference, like it has to be so egregious that 90% of the time it's not even getting called back. Um, I think it's more of a prayer at this point. So I don't know. I don't want to digress too much on that. Um, But overall, if you look at the Falcons, they're averaging 350.5 passing yards a game. As Brandon said, they have a very dynamic duo and everyone that's a bears fan that is pays attention to the NFL will understand like, I don't think that there's a better combo of receivers in the league right now. Like, is there a better one-two punch? I, I truly don't believe so. Um, the only one that would actually compare is if Larry Fitzgerald was 10 years younger and it was D-Hop and Larry Fitzgerald, because that's what I think the level of talent is with Julio and Calvin Ridley. Um, and, you know, I feel like last week we knew, like, Daniel Jones wasn't really going to go over the top. You know what I mean? Like we, we didn't, there wasn't that deep threat. Calvin Ridley is that deep threat. It, it, and it is a very strength against strength matchup. Cause I think right now, by far our defensive backs are playing the best football out of all three, three levels of the defense. And I mean, they're not able to really run the ball. Todd Gurley's averaging 3.3 yards of carry. I think they are bottom, you know, five in the league and rushing so far this year. So I'm not worried about that at all. I truly believe that this is going to be an aerial attack. Like this is what they do. Um, there will be some chances though. Now, Matt Ryan is a prolific, true, like franchise quarterback. No doubt about it. The bears would be lucky to have someone like him. We probably would have won a super bowl or two if we had him from the start of his career, but kind of like Stafford, he is, um, he's not, he's not that prime time. He's, he's not like Aaron Rodgers. will he'll throw the ball away. He'll take sacks. He will, there will be opportunities for interceptions and stuff like that. So I think like defensively, it's going to be a really good matchup. And, um, the end of the day, Mitchell's going to have to put his meat on the table, dude. I think this really comes down to if if the offense is able to put up some points because I think that they're going to they're going to outscore every other opponent we've played. You know, we can't expect the defense to keep everyone below twenty four points. Uh, I think that they're liable to put up twenty eight points or whatever, but they're also liable to give up a lot. Um, they've just been getting ran all over. Well, yeah, and a uh, big thing to kind of pay attention to as well is uh, free safety Ricardo Allen is looking like he. Uh, Looking like he's going to be going into this uh, week on the injury report. Also have a guy in right tackle, Caleb McCray. 
Uh, Matt Gono is listed to possibly start in his first NFL start against the Bears, which is starting to become almost like a trend where we're getting like first career offensive tackle start. So that should bode well for a guy like Robert Quinn or Cleo Mack. However, that uh, were to go. So yeah, that's the biggest thing to get to uh, go with the Falcons offense. That's how you kind of like really kind of neutralize them is you have to get to Matt Ryan. That has to be a, a point of emphasis. And I mean, dude, they've got, they've guys like Jake Matthews, Alex Mack. I mean, they do have some good offensive linemen over here. So, I mean, they're, it's going to be a test, but if we can get to Matt Ryan and uh, kind of force him to get the ball out of his hand quick, or, uh, you know, just kind of see a little bit of the lights at the top of the stadium, that'd probably be uh best for everybody. And yeah, dude, like you said, dude, Mitch, Mitch has to put his meat on the table, dude. hundred percent. He has a rookie corner. He's going against, he has a guy in Isaiah Oliver. He's going to be going against, you know, if, if, uh, if Ricardo Allen's injured and doesn't play, that's a big one as well, dude. You know, Keanu Neal, that's a guy who can cover some tight ends. So I, Mitch is going to have to fit the ball in nice, but you know, I could see us going to Jimmy Graham quite a bit. I've liked what we've been doing with Jimmy Graham, lining him up outside and kind of giving him a matchup against a cornerback. Cause that gives it just another giant body that Mitch can throw to. Uh, yeah, dude, I, I really feel good about how our offense actually matches up against this defense. Um, I think a guy like Grady Jarrett's pretty good in the middle, but I think really they're only real threat to get to the quarterback is a guy like Dante Fowler. And we've dealt with Dante Fowler in the past. So Tariq Cohen likes to stand up Dante Fowler. If you guys don't remember when he was on the Rams, I believe, or no, was, was he when he was on yeah. the Jags? It was it on was the Rams. Rams. Yeah. He stood his ass up bit little man getting big. Um, no, but we also have a nice little storyline talking about their defensive backs. And the one thing like having Jimmy Graham on the perimeter like that, it's it's a mismatch, but it's also helping so much with the screen game. Like last year, we only ran like two effective screens that I could think of. That's another thing from last week that really bothered me. You pay Tariq Cohen at midnight, give him one, one target, one reception, 15 yards on a second and 16, go away from him for the rest of the game. Don't understand that at all. We'll figure it out, though. Our offense is trending upward. I don't want to be negative. You know what I mean? We'll figure it out. But at the end of the day, um, our receivers have been unbelievable, specifically Javon Wims. I got to give him a lot of credit. And even Darnell Mooney, man, he he led block on a play. Um, like, these guys are getting out there and blocking, and I think that is huge, huge, huge for, for keys to success in this game. Like, a lot of those screens – I'm sorry. A lot of those bubble screens, wide receiver screens and stuff like that will work. We should be able to work Tariq Cohen against these guys. There will be mismatches with their, with their linebackers. It's very clear that they're an offensive powerhouse and they're the type of team that will get into a shootout, but they'll find a way to flub it up too. We, we do got Dan Quinn going again. So just as long as we don't let them pull away and they are the type of team, like anyone knows that gambles, the Falcons are the worst team to bet on because they are a wild card. They will have no problem laying down and getting whomped up by the Jets, but then the next week go go head into Seattle and like just like for some reason win by 13. They're a strange team, very strange team. So it's a wild card. And for that reason, it makes me a little bit worried about this game. We also got the little storyline, AJ Terrell versus Jalen Johnson. One's a first round pick. The other's a second round pick. Um, Jalen Johnson so far has looked like the best of his class. I know Duke doesn't want me to get too far to my far ahead of myself, but I love me some stretch Armstrong. Yeah. And honestly, this is the showcase game that he has. He's going to get a little bit of Julio. He's going to get a little bit of Calvin Ridley. He's going to get a little bit of Todd Gurley out of the backfield. Maybe he'll get Hayden Hurst on some out routes and some zone coverage. He is going to see a little bit of everything this game. But one thing that I, 
think has gone kind of understated is, is Dan Quinn coaching for his job this week? Like if the bears go out there and embarrass the Falcons again, is he getting shit-canned on Monday? I have no idea, dude. I have no idea. And it's also like, is it better to play a team that seems like they could crumble at any point? You know what I mean? Like, or is but they it also worse? have a lot to play for too. Exactly. Though. Is it worse because their backs against the wall? Like, you know how it is if you start zero and three and you got a coach that's coaching for his job. And for some reason, a lot of those players really like Dan Quinn. I'm sure he's a great players coach, but there's just way too many weird things that have happened with him that it's just like, how is he still there? On here, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's kind of like the Marvin Lewis situation all over again, just in a different city. Uh, I don't know if Dan Quinn owns stocks in home Depot and that's just kind of keeping him around. I, I don't quite get it, but yeah, I mean, obviously if you're going to be a head coach that long, you're going to build, you know, you're going to build a culture. You're going to have guys who are going to love playing for you and stuff like that. Um, even on like a way less of a, um, way less of a bad situation. You know, you look at kind of like the culture that we built after we uh, fired Lovey Smith. It was just, it was a locker room full of guys that were ready to run through a wall for Lovey Smith and had no intention to do that for a guy like Mark Tressman. You know what I mean? So that, I think that's kind of what plays a part into it too. I think you almost realize after a certain point, you've held on to a guy too long that if you do fire him like this early in the year, it's like, Oh shit. Like this is, we're really calling the season in if we do something like this, you know? Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I have no idea what's going on there, man. Arthur blank is, uh, He's a different one. He's a different fucking breed. So I, I, it's hard to really say what the hell that guy's doing. I mean, I'm scared to really say too much about him because I think he like he's gonna have me like whacked in like a back alley or something. But I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, he looks like a mobster, but I will say like uh, without with a hundred percent doubt, someone can fact check me. One of our listeners, one of you guys. Every single time that Arthur Blank ever gets panned over to on the sideline, the Falcons lose. Every time Super Bowl last week, every time they're ever up, every time he's ever down on the sideline in his little mobster Al Pacino get up, they pan over to him. And right after they panned over to him this week, the Cowboys recovered an onside kick and the rest is history. So as long as they give us that one shot where they just pan over to blank on the sideline, confident in the Bears dub. Someone straight up gave him the Maloika. Somebody call. Is it on? What is it on Fox or ABC this week? Somebody call and make sure that they pan into him. Um, no, I just, they're in a weird spot and I'm in a, I'm in a weird spot about this game because I feel like it could go either way so easily and we'll find out within like the first quarter, but we really won't though. Cause it, this game will probably go down to the last snap again. We've seen the last two games go down to the last snap. Um, but to move forward, we won't, we'll do our predictions on Thursday, but something came out. Khalil Mack actually he talks a lot of smack dude for, um, for someone who's so quiet with the media, like you heard him, he had a mic'd out come out and I'm going to play you a clip in a second, him talking to Mitchell Trubisky, which was literally made me want to run through my wall. Um, but I mean, dude, he's like telling Jan- Daniel Jones, he's scared and all this stuff. And he's like telling people they can't block him. So he likes to talk a little bit more than I, than I thought it was nice to hear him mic'd up, see that side of his personality, but say, so take a listen to this clip. Always um, make these respect you. Yo, you're the best at doing it. Make these respect you today, team. Love you too. Let's go. Let's go, man. So obviously there were a couple explicits in there that the Bears um 
blocked out, but they love the moment so much that they made it the intro of this mic'd up video. And he said, like, make these motherfuckers respect you, essentially. Um, I'm not sure exactly what swear word to use, but he said, make them respect you. You're one of the best in the league. So I thought that was pretty dope. I'm sure uh, Cleo Mack doesn't truly believe that, but the end of the day, like he's, he's given his quarterback that. I mean, dude, I was ready to throw some touchdowns. No doubt about it. Yeah, dude. I mean, how can you not be juiced up with a guy like fucking Cleo Mack in your, like in your corner? You know, I like that you bring up like the fact that he's quiet and doesn't really talk to the media. Cause it actually reminds me of another guy that's on the bears. Um, and a guy like Kyle Fuller, who I see jawing off to wide receivers every single fucking week but does not say a word in the media because he handles all his business on the field. You want to know why Kyle Fuller and Cleo Mack, they bring their fucking lunch pail to work and they come out when they go on that field. You know, that's, that's, that's what you want, man. You don't need a guy who's talking big in the locker room. You don't need a guy who's talking big, you know, whatever in the media, you need a guy who shows up on the field and, you know, handles it, man. A guy who, yeah, he does have that confidence that he's the best fucking player out there. Cause you know what? 95, 95 to 99% of the time, Cleo Mack is the best player on the field, you know? And he's a guy who literally I will, I'm so ready to break down this film. Cause there are so many ridiculous instances that he has got so obviously held. Like, I don't understand like what referees like are so obsessed with a guy like Cleo Mack, dude. Like if I'm getting held as much as Cleo Mack, I'm talking the whole fucking game too. Like, why would you not? What are you going to toss me out? I'll show you the film of how many holds you missed. Like, I, I don't know, dude. I love every bit of it, man. Well, how can you not expect a guy like Cleo Mack to be juiced up? He just, uh, he saves it for his team. He doesn't need to save it for the media, you know? Yeah. I, I think, um, the whole thing's getting egregious. You know what I mean? You can't call it every play, obviously, because he does get held on every play. But some of the ones where he's getting hooked, there's one Brian Baldinger on Baldy's breakdowns. You know, he does it on his Twitter feed where he's literally laughing. He's like, this is what it's like to be Khalil Mack. Like, come on. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I actually brought it up on Huskies on tap with our guest last week, like because she's actually really close friends with Khalil Mack. She knew him from his time at Buffalo and in the Mack conference, the best conference in the Midwest. And uh, I just hate that right now it's just the standard like Khalil Mack. Every single week we see multiple clips where he's getting the fish hook. He's getting the absolute treatment and it's not getting called. So when he does beat through that and he does still go out and beat two or three guys to make a play, anybody who's anybody is going to talk a little bit of shit after that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, gentlemen, is there anything else you want to get into or um, or anything like notes about Atlanta? Obviously, we're going to do a little bit more detailed breakdown with the injury report, but um, this is just kind of our preview episode. We got fan questions coming up next. Well, uh, you know, just kind of toss in at the end of that point, you know, like. You literally, you have to cheat to beat me. You have to cheat to beat me, dude. It's like, it's like, like Cleo Mack is literally like all every single adult playing a child and like shoots and ladders. Like the only way this kid's going to win is if you cheat. That's how Cleo Mack feels. And uh, nobody's calling out the cheating. And that's the entire problem. So, um, Duke, now I know I told you that the, the Falcons have the second most uh, passing yardage per game for the offenses in the league right now. Trivia question. Who do you think has number one? For passing yards? Yeah. Shit, that would be either... 
It's fucking Josh Allen, isn't it? It's you your got, boy, you're just, Josh you're Allen in Buffalo, it. my man. Yeah, <laughs> go Jets it. and Dolphins. <laughs> fucking ah, go. Bro, I put him on my bench and played Trubisky this last week. That's how fucking faithful I am, like a dummy. Josh Allen put up like 45 points, and I had to sweat out I that win. I started him. He brought me to the fucking victory lane. Shout out oh. to secondary. All right, and so... And, Nothing else about Atlanta. Just don't – I think the biggest key is because Julio also does. We know he's got a hamstring thing, and he's a freak, and he'll play through it for sure. It's not a question, but um, he did only have two catches last week, so definitely got to key in on Calvin Ridley, I feel like. Uh, Julio will still be able to beat us, but he's not 100%. So like like we were talking about, they have two number one receivers, no doubt about it. Um, but let's get into these fan questions. First comes from – Patrick Bowway at P at Pat Bowway. What adjustments does Chuck Pagano need to do to stop the Falcons offense? Well, we kind of got into that a little bit ago. I just kind of, it's kind of crazy. had that premonition. Uh, I swear I didn't look at the questions until right now, but um, yeah, I think Calvin Ridley's the key. Todd Gurley is clearly not the same guy. It's a shame because he was truly a generational talent um, when he was hot, like and when he was able to do his thing, but Unfortunately, that knee thing kind of affected him. I'm, I'm not too worried about him. But then again, you kind of you do have to be aware just because of how Adrian Peterson um, gashed us. You know what I mean? Like it's different, different ball game. They do have a young offensive line. They got a couple first round picks last year. Um, so I'm not worried that worried about the running game. It's all about that passing game and then exposing those younger DBs. Um, you guys want to add anything to that? Uh, yeah, man, I, uh, you know, I. I just really want to stay fresh over the top. I want, you know, a guy like Eddie Jackson who constantly be uh, shading one side or the other. I want to see a good rotation between Deshaun Gibson and Deion Bush. I want to see a decent amount of Deion Bush, especially in the past game. Um, that's something I'm actually going to probably break down in film uh, tonight is uh, kind of how Deion Bush is being used in the past past game. Now, uh, dude, I don't give a shit if Julio Jones is playing on one leg. That guy scares everything hell out of me. And until he shows like a long stretch of ineffectiveness, I'm not going to sleep on that guy at all. So uh, I really do want to see the attention still on him. I want, I dude, I want Calvin Ridley to beat us. I, if that's how we're going to get beat, I would rather Calvin Ridley go off than have Julio Jones go off. Cause I've seen Julio Jones go off for like 200 plus yards in damn near three quarters. Like the guy, the guy is still there, man. And you know, even Calvin, even a guy like Randy, Randy Moss near the end of their careers, man, that's a guy you still got to pay attention to. They'll gas you. Oh, a hundred percent. You can't forget about Julio. Um, be down. A couple things. Let me run that back. Definitely a little cracky. couple things. Definitely uh, keeping that in. Yeah. Brandon's clearly going it. through puberty. <laughs> There's a good voice guy after a long weekend of football, but like Duke said, Obviously going to need some bracket coverage with some help over the top from the safeties. Man coverage, probably not the move for this week unless we're in the goal line or in very short situations where we know it's going to be a short pass. Obviously, one thing that we have struggled with over the first few weeks, stopping running backs coming out of the backfield. And I think that, you know, regardless of if Todd Gurley is the same player or not, he's still very capable of catching the ball out of the backfield, making stuff happen. They also have a quality tight end in Hayden Hurst. No matter which way you cut it, this team does have a lot of uh, options as far as you know the offensive side of the ball. But we also have a lot of good players on defense that should be able to match up 
not necessarily like stop, you know, necessarily stop them. Like the Falcons are probably still going to go out and get 21 to 24 points and bears fans. Don't be discouraged. It's just the name of the game. When you play the Falcons, we just need to be able to make sure that we're not absolutely getting ran over and dominated at the line of scrimmage. We need to be able to make sure that, like you guys said, pressure is in Matt Ryan's face at all times. And when that ball is in the air, it's anybody's ball. Yeah, and my guess would be um, we see Danny Trevathan's snap count go down. Um, Not only has he struggled the last couple games, but with, like I said, they don't have the strongest rushing attack. I could see us easily running a lot more dime and, and putting Deion Bush and Deshaun Gibson on the field at the same time with Buster Scrine. Um, I, I like actually the matchup with Buster screen. And, um, I know I keep saying scrying. I'm sorry, Buster dude, but it's, it looks like scrying and, uh, I'm, I'm the new resident beat on clearly with names, but no Buster screen. I like him matched up against Hayden Hurst a lot. Um, he's been extremely impressive and I wouldn't be surprised. I know he could be a cut candidate for cap reasons. You know, he won't have any salary cap, um, you know, dead room. But if he, if he's playing the way he is, I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't bring him back for another year. Cause he's been pretty lights out. Um, but let's move on to this next question. We got the notorious CMG at at the at the concert MCFCs. My man, I'm sorry. Um, based on the first two games, how many W's do you see the Bears picking up in the next seven games before we beat the Vikings? Well, we got Colts, Tampa. We got Atlanta. Who else? Pull up the schedule, someone. Colts, Tampa, Atlanta. We, I just heard somebody uh, run off the schedule yesterday, too. It's after once we play Tampa, we got a rough go. We got to play the Saints somewhere in there, too. I think it's the Saints right after uh, Tampa. Yeah. Yeah, we got a we got a bit of a rough go. Hold on. I'm pulling up the schedule now. I'm actually not um, worried about the Saints at all. Okay, so we got Falcons, we have Colts, we have Buccaneers, we have Panthers, we have Rams, and we have Saints. Rams are sneaky, dude. Rams, I'm a hair worried about. They actually look pretty damn good against Dallas, specifically, and I don't know. I still think Dallas is going to end up being really good near the end of the year. Uh, Buccaneers, obviously, that's going to be a test. Panthers, I'm not worried about Teddy Glovehand, really kind like really at all. Honestly, I think he's played like hot garbage so far this year and the Colts dude. I love beating Phillip rivers. So let's just go ahead and do that again. Yeah. Uh, Phillip rivers is he's, he's I guess, cooked. Are you, are you willing to say he's cooked? Cause he was cooked last year. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, and it's sad to see that he's cooked because it took so long for the chargers to actually put a fucking team around him. And now, now they actually have a pretty good team out. Even though they fucking beat us last year with the chargers, Philip, Philip duck rivers. Yeah. Doggone it. Long uh, story short, though, I feel like we could win four to five games, no doubt. Um, we do have the three. Do we have the Titans right before the Vikings, though? I think that'll be a tough one. Yeah, I'd say the the absolute floor is three. Dude, we're, sweep, we're sweeping the Vikings. We're sweeping the Vikings for sure this year. Dude, we, we own a piece of Kirk Cousins' ass. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you we like that. I think after nine games, we could easily be seven and nine or um, I'm seven, sorry, and seven and two or six and three. I do not. Dude, I swear to God, if we finish seven and nine, I'm blaming you just I'll for that little so slip up. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> Edan, uh, what do you think we're going to go in the next uh, next seven games? 
Yeah, I think the Tennessee game is tough just because that's a team that actually knows who they are. And when you say BU to a Tennessee Titan, they know exactly what that means. I'm not really worried about the Saints game. The Colts are kind of a sneaky team, but they are also a very injured team. Same thing with the Panthers. Panthers, are they were going to have a hard time beating us to begin with. But if Christian McCaffrey is not playing in that game, which I don't know exactly how long he's out for, but I just I feel like right now. The Bears have, you know, one thing that they've had over the last few years and one thing that we saw them capitalize on in 2018 was their ability to win those one possession in those close games down the stretch. There's no room for error with those games this year, especially given the circumstances with Mitch, with Ryan Pace, with Matt Nagy, with everyone's job being on the line. You have to go out. You have to go out and win the games that you're supposed to and take a couple of the ones that you're not supposed to as well. And at the end of the day, we'll be in the playoffs. I do think as ugly as it has been with there being seven teams in the NFC going to the playoffs this year, I think the Bears will be one of them. If if the Bears win on Sunday, there's no doubt in my mind they are going to be in the playoffs. Well, dude, and, you know, you almost have to think about, you know, with those close games, I think the Bears, like if the Bears would have won two of those close games last year, which I think they there's a couple games. They were just right there in that. They just ended up not winning. They could have been 10 and six last year. And honestly, I think the bears so far this year look better than they did last year. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, all right. We got Jordan Hudson next. Um, Jordan Hudson asks, although we've been decent against the run, do you see the bears possibly bringing in someone like snacks to help on the defensive line? I'm just going to have to answer with a flat. No, Jordan. I'm sorry. It just looks like with the Tariq Cohen extension and the Allen Robinson extension looming, it does not look like that's going to be a priority for them. Um, unless they can get him for like a million dollars, they get him for a million dollars to come in and play. Hey, why not roll the dice, right? Either you guys think it's a possibility. Yeah, man, I don't see it. You know, I, I thought if that was going to happen, that was going to happen early in the year to get him entwined by a week three where he would be maybe full speed right now. But if we sign him off the street, it's going to be a solid two, three weeks before he's going to be really kind of getting significant step snaps on the field, you know, cause I'm going to assume a guy named snacks and Hey, you know, shout out. If we do sign him, I'm going to assume a guy named snacks isn't necessarily in football right now shape. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I could see us going elsewhere, maybe a very low risk, you know, you know, like you said, million dollar deal, but I don't think that's what a guy like him is going to be taking. So yeah, straight up, man. I, I don't think it's going to happen. If we get dashed this week, I could see us bringing in a guy, you know, to help cheap veteran. It ain't going to be snacks. Yeah. That's kind of a low blow on snacks there, dog. He did him dirty. So I apologize. It's Nat Harrison on behalf of bears on tap. I'm so sorry to the former Detroit lion. Thank you for taking their money though. I appreciate that. All right. Next we got Justin Wasik at Justin underscore Wasik. What grade would you give Mitch so far? And what is the top thing he needs to correct and improve? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm giving him a B and he's got to put his meat out on the table quicker. That's okay. That's dope. That's a dope response, but no low key. I think, um, cause there's one guy in my fantasy group that always is just like Mitch is shit. Mitch is shit. He had one good throw and Miller dropped it. Mitch is shit. Mitch is shit. Shout out to bears Twitter. Yeah. Those guys, like, I think it's, it's, beyond apparent that Mitchell Trubisky has improved. And I don't care what the, what the competition has been. I'm talking about the things that 
we needed to see, like his improbability and him looking downfield and finding the second and third read. And I think we've seen that on multiple occasions already this year. I think it's very clear that he's taken steps forward. And I want—I don't want to say he's made a monumental jump, but he's definitely, he looks better than he has. I would give him a B minus because I do feel like, I mean, fuck, dude. He, but that's, even though the first three quarters weren't great, you know, Pat Mahomes always gets praised for having one good quarter of game and putting up a ton of fucking yards and points. And it's like that even the Eagles, the offense, dude, the Eagles, Chiefs and the Bears are very sporadic in their points. The, don't get me wrong. The Eagles and Chiefs are much more consistent when they are putting up points against shitty teams. But um, I don't know, man. He, he definitely won us that game in Detroit. I'll, I'll say that. And. I thought he played really well, even in the second half. I, you know, we've seen kind of the the breakdowns already, and a lot of people are putting both those um, interceptions on Allen Robinson. Uncharacteristic day for him. That was kind of our buzzword today. We weren't going to talk about him or the extension or anything like that. But um, yeah, I mean, Duke, what would you give him? Yeah, man, I'm kind of kind of hovering right in that BB minus frame. Um, but I will say, I. I honestly think Mitch was the best player on offense last week. And I think you could arguably say he was the best player on offense in week one. And that's, that's pretty big. Uh, you know, and I was, I was thinking about this while I was at work today, you know, cause I talked to myself at work, you know, to prepare for podcasts like this, everyone thinks I'm fucking crazy, whatever I'm over it. Um, you know, dude, there are days where quarterbacks look really good. They play the game they need to play and the offense still doesn't put up points. That's just kind of the reality of football, man. It happens a lot. You know, I honestly think in four quarters and I'm going to watch film tonight and I'm assuming I'm not going to really see much different. I thought Mitch looked, he played a full four quarters. I really believe that, you know, did it, did it light up the scoreboard? No. Did it do enough to win? Yes. Um, but I also think a lot of that had to do with uh, Matt Nagy kind of taking back the reins on the play call in the second half, dude. We got really conservative. And uh, I think if we kind of kept moving the ball down the field, you know, I, I'm going to avoid bringing up why I'm going to avoid bringing up 12 because, uh, you know, he's definitely gotten enough slander and Twitter so far this week, you know, and I feel like we've all kind of made our opinion known about it. But you know, possibility that our best player on offense wasn't totally, you know, within the game plan, you know? So there's only so much quarterback can do in that situation. I think Mitch did everything in his power to make sure that we won that game. He did not lose us that football game. And at the end of the day, is that not what bears fans who always scream for the backup quarterback always want? They want a quarterback who doesn't lose the game. I think Mitch has done a great job of that. Yeah, he did throw. I mean, even though you could put more of the blame on Allen Robinson, he still made the decision He's, he's the quarterback, so the interception goes on his stat. Not I, I understand where you're coming from, Duke, 100%. No, um, I, I also think you could argue that David Montgomery was the best offensive player on the field as well. That's And that's fair. I just think uh, I think usage was kind of uh, the biggest problem with David Montgomery. And, uh, you know, beat on. Go ahead. A few things. Saw someone in a Chase Daniel jersey this weekend on the topic oh of backup quarterbacks. Um, another thing, Bobby Massey was definitely the best player on offense out there on Sunday. And last he did get a pass rock blocking grade of 90.5%. And he is the highest rated tackle in pass blocking in the NFL to date. And he's got a reception motherfuckers. And like, let's be honest, you guys have had that happen to you in Madden and Bobby Massey has scored a touchdown on that play. Like that, the crazy shit that happens in the new Maddens with all the glitches, like that was just like the most Chicago bears type play. I saw a tweet today, though, the guy, I don't remember who it was that put it out, but he had a blue check mark, so he must have been important. He said, 
if the Bears start the season 3-0, and and I mean, you can pretty much chalk the Texans up for another loss this week unless the Steelers absolutely blow it. We're going to start seeing the, is Mitchell Trubisky better than Deshaun Watson think pieces, like starting next week. Oh, yeah, said, yeah, seriously. Is what Dude, he said. And you know there's a, a bunch of jagoffs out there that are going to do that. <laughs> that should be Bro. a meme, though, because I'll again inject that into my veins for real. <laughs> I was going to say, dude, inject that shit all the way fucking in. Put it in my eyelid, man. I might even write an article next week if that happens. Bro, but, um, yeah, that's actually low-key a perfect transition because – Bears victory flag. Um, it's at Bears victory FL one. Is the offensive line the real deal, or the first two opponents are making them look good? I am hopeful. I think you should be hopeful, my man. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think the first two matchups were a great way to build confidence, but people seem to forget. 2017, we were jamming the rock down everybody's throat, and that's because we ran a scheme that fit the that complemented the skill sets of our offensive line. Um, we had, yeah, we had Cody Whitehair at the time. We had um, Bobby Massey. We had Charles Leno. Sub and you know Kyle Long was there before, um, and you upgraded with James Daniels. So I think we actually have a better offensive line than we did in 2017. And I thought that they just weren't being utilized properly last year. You were asking players to make reach blocks and and get to guys in the second level that they weren't athletically capable enough to do. So I feel like Juan Castillo is the MVP. I don't know if I said that off the line before, but I feel like right now we are seeing that how much coaching matters in the NFL. Yeah, dude, straight up. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I've, I've really been on this train for a while, but I think James Daniels is quietly becoming one of the better guards in all of football. Like I legitimately am really high on this guy. I think he's made just ridiculous strides specifically in the past like year. Um, you know, at this point where we were last year, I still think he still had a little bit of that rookie in him, but this year he looks like a seasoned vet. Um, he, you know, uh, just to interject, he was also rated second among guards in the league. So Bobby Massey won in tack for tackles and, uh, James Daniels, number two for guards. And James Daniels was top five on that list last year, I believe. So I, James, James Daniels is, I'm telling you quietly becoming one of the better guards in all football. And I've. I've always been insanely high to high on Cody Whitehair. You know, if you don't hear about an offensive lineman very often, it means they're doing their fucking job, you know? And I think a guy like uh Jermaine Effetti, dude, I, I even heard guys on the broadcast last week, like raving about this guy. And, you know, I really think right guard for the Chicago bears is, is, is his spot, man. He's a former first round pick. He had all, he had talent. He was just getting killed by uh, pass rushers, you know, and that happens as a young offensive tackle, but moving a guy like that inside, who's athletic, who's big, who on Mitchell Trubisky's huge dude, dude on Mitchell Trubisky's touchdown pass to Mooney, absolutely fucking demolished somebody. Like I'm going to, I'm going to bring that up and film tomorrow too. Like send me that clip so I can put it out for uh, bears on tap. Oh dude. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, man, overall I'm, I'm digging the offensive line. And, you know, I think the biggest thing last year was Bobby Massey and Charles Leno. They, they just did not seem like themselves. They did not look very good. And Bobby Massey, they've shown they can play at a high level before. And it seems like they're kind of bringing that back. We haven't heard a lot about Charles Leno. That's a good thing. Bobby Massey. I mean, it's impossible to not see what he's doing in the run game right now. And Charles Leno's always been pretty good in the run game himself at getting to the second level. So 
overall, I'm not buying all the way in, but I think the interior interior of this offensive line is as strong as it's been in, in quite a few years, you know, shout out to Kyle long, but his body gave up on him. Um, so yeah, it, the interior of the offensive line, it usually works itself out on the way out. So. Yeah. The one thing I want to say is, uh, I've talked to a couple offensive linemen, obviously not NFL linemen. And, you know, if you ask an offensive lineman, if they had one way to block for the rest of their life and they're on an electric chair and they have to pick, it's going to be a run block. Most of the offense this year has been a lot of running and the pockets that have been created for Mitchell Trubisky for the most part have been good. And when they break down, Mitch has a pretty good, I would say he's getting way better at his mental clock to get up out of there and, and, either throw the ball away or, you know, make a couple yard gain and slide, you know, his slides aren't that, that good yet. But I think right now with the offensive line, one thing that should not go understated is they did play a handful of talented players these first two weeks on the defensive line that regardless of if the teams are good or not, they still have good skill players at those positions. So I think the performances that they put together without allowing too many sacks, without allowing, Mitchell to look like he's back there with it, like a chicken with his head cut off. I think it's definitely a step in the right direction and they should look to build on that this week. Yeah. And I think while they're in search of this identity that I was kind of down about earlier, I think they're going to be a huge key in finding it. Um, but that's about all we got for you today. We'll be back in a couple days for you with the injury report on Friday night. Yeah. And uh, before we go guys, I just uh, want to toss out there that uh, you can follow me that pod guy, Duke. I'm going to try to, if all 22 film and NFL Game Pass agrees with me, I'm going to try to get a film thread of like, you know, probably eight to 12 of my favorite plays, you know, some bad, some good, and just kind of break them down for you guys. So be on the lookout for that on Wednesday mornings. All right. And then, um, yeah, you can go ahead and follow us at Bears on Tap or follow on Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. As you heard, that's that pod guy, Duke. I'm Lucas Perfetti. You could follow me at Lucas Perfetti 46. And you also got beat on 300. Um, who's in charge of our Huskies on tap and Irish on tap, right? Fighting Irish on tap. Yes, sir. Notre Dame does not have a game this weekend and I will be interviewing the NIU offensive coordinator, Eric Eisenis in the morning. So I am busy, busy, busy this week as usual. No doubt. We'll see you guys on Friday. Thank you. And love you. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.